Blog Talk Radio. It's a beautiful Amen. So good morning. It is a beautiful morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it today. I believe that the Lord is about to reverse the curse and he's going to make all things new. And I believe that for those who love the Lord and obey the Lord and honor the Lord and love and just love him, I believe that God is going to rewrite the script. I believe that God is going to change the narrative on your behalf. And I believe that God is going to do amazing things. I truly believe in the camp of the righteous, there will be a sound of joy. And I believe that you and I, all believers around the world, need to know that all judgment against us has been taken away in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We need to rejoice in these things, in the knowledge of these things, knowing that judgment has nothing to do with you and I as followers of Jesus Christ. We will see judgment all around us. We will see a 1,000 fall at our side, 10,000 at our right hand, but it shall not come nigh our dwelling. Why? Because we bowed the knee. We confessed with our mouth that Jesus Christ was Lord, that we were sinners. We received his grace. We've been saved by his grace. The judgment that was upon us visited him. He paid the price for you and I. Hallelujah. So judgment is not an issue for you and I. I mean, being judged by God is not an issue. Our judgment has been taken away in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Now, as we're following the Lord, there's a benefit, there is a blessing to our obedience. Amen? Yesterday, we talked about training up. 
how in Hebrews chapter 12, God would train up his people and he would disciple us or discipline us and that he would work a work in our lives to bring forth an eternal weight of his glory. But now we need to understand that while discipline for the moment is not joyful, but it always produces that peaceable fruit of righteousness, remember that our whole life here on earth is not about being disciplined. There are moments where Father God says, hey, I want to take you on a journey. I want to bring you into an adventure. I want to go hike the universe with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to show you joyful things, blessings. And that is true. And it is true that God blesses his people. It is true that God will open the heavens and God will bring forth a miracle into your home, into my home, a sign and a wonder, not a transient one, but a remaining blessing, a weighty blessing from the Lord for you, for you. This is your father's goodwill. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom And how much more in this life? My God, he is so good. He gave us his son. He gave us his spirit. He gave us his word. He gave us uh, an inheritance. And we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. I mean, he's given us so much. And he's told us we could ask him for anything in his name and he will do it. As long as we're not consuming things upon our own lusts or desires or being wicked and evil and all that stuff, which we're not. So there is a promise of God for you to live in a system that is way beyond the system of this earth where you got to go to work and you got to buy something and you got to pay your bills and sweat it out by the sweating of the, of the brow. There is an economy of heaven that is based upon our faith and our acceptance that we could actually ask God for what we desire, what we would like. And he will do it. He promised that again and again and again. So there's a higher order. There's a higher system. There's a higher way of living. Am I advocating don't go to work? Don't be responsible? Heck no. I'm just saying that sometimes at the level of work that we're at and the things that we do, a lot of things are impossible. There are things that we would desire right now that are absolutely impossible to us. But this is where the kingdom of heaven kicks in, and we can begin to ask God sincerely for the desire of our heart. Ask him whatever you desire, and he will do it. And according to our faith, let it be done, whether it's for healing, whether it's for finances, whether it's for relationship, whatever it is, we can ask God. And it's not based upon our ability or where we're at in our responsibility. It is about asking God for his favor. You know, there is a woman by the name of Hadessa. We know her as Esther. And you know that today is the day of Purim. And that there is an incredible story about today. It actually began last night when the sun set. It was to be a two-day memorial for the children of Israel throughout their generations forever and ever. And you and I today who have been grafted into the Israel of God, we have to remember that these appointed times of the Lord, these appointed days, these set-apart days on the calendar of God, we are to remember what happened in the days of Esther. We are to remember how God moved sovereignly among an obedient people, an obedient people, a people that were reverencing God, serving God, honoring God. They were scattered about in the 127 provinces of the Persian Empire, and yet they were God's people. And there was 
a representative, one that would stand in the gap by the name of Mordecai, but we know that there was a young lady that was brought to the kingdom to be the queen of the kingdom. She married Ahasuerus. We know the story that Esther found favor because God was with her, not because of anything she did. It was simply because Uncle Mordecai was an intercessor, always praying for the purpose and the value and the destiny of his daughter, his niece, that she would be fulfilling her purpose on this earth. And sure enough, it was the favor of God because God has foreknowledge of what future events will be. And today we want to talk about Purim. I want to talk about what you can expect in your life if you will believe. Remember, believe the word of the Lord and you will prosper. Believe his prophets and you shall be established, right? That Second Chronicles chapter 20, uh, incredible passage of scripture that is so prophetic, it's just oozing with glory. So we're going to talk a little bit about purification. We're going to talk about obedience. We're going to talk about Queen Esther. We're going to talk about Purim today. And I pray that you are excited about that because quite frankly, the, what, what today represents in your life, if you will receive it, what today represents is all things working together for good for you who love God. Everything going on in your life, according to scriptures, in your obedience to God, in your love for God, this is a moment to, uh, it's not the only moment. I mean, this is a daily reality, but these appointed times help us to really focus. And so this is a time in Purim where you begin to understand and receive all things are working together for your good. Also, no weapon formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment shall be condemned. You shall condemn it. This is an amazing reality, but this is what Purim is all about. If you love the Lord, if you honor God, if you seek to serve the Lord, regardless of what the enemy comes and brings against you, God is going to turn it around. The gallows that Haman built for Mordecai, he hangs on them himself, along with his 10 sons. You remember the story. You remember that Esther was, uh, and I want to pick up the story in chapter five, because it speaks, can we just talk for a minute? This story speaks so loudly to the very moment that we are in right now. And I'll explain it as we go. But I want you to know today that there are decrees, there are narratives that have been written and spoken against you to destroy you. But I want you to remember Purim, that there is a God in heaven who rewrites the script and takes the decree against us and turns it against those who prescribed it. This is true nationally, personally. This is God's word. Your faith must apprehend this promise. All things working together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And if you and I in our generation aren't called to a purpose, then I don't know where we would be, right? And we know that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Every tongue that rises in judgment against us or writes in judgment against us, we shall condemn it because this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. So trust God 
because he's the one that said, I want this Feast of Purim remembered every year. I want it throughout their generations forever to be remembered. And there's a reason why God would have you and I remember the story of Hadessah, the story of Esther, the story of a critical time in the history of the world where the Jews were about to be annihilated. There's a reason why God would want the people to remember. For you and I, there is a spiritual blessing. There is a spiritual benefit for being connected because these promises are our promises as well. For we have been grafted in and assimilated among them. Truly, we are all the Jew and the Gentile that are in Christ Jesus, the Israel of God. To that, there's no doubt these prophetic promises belong to you. So let me ask you a question before we go. Is there an area in your life where the enemy has been accusing you? Is there an area in your life where the enemy's been coming against you? Is there an area where he's been speaking against your life or writing decrees against your life or creating a narrative against you? Well, today we celebrate the reality that that is going to be turned. That thing will be turned because of your, the truth, because of your obedience, because of your love for God and his, his justice God's justice on your behalf. Oh, the justice of God upon a sin-sick world that rebels against him? That's going to be another story. But as far as you are concerned, your judgment has been taken away through your faith in Jesus Christ. So the justice of God is going to come to your aid, and he is going to begin to serve your enemies' notice. And God's justice is going to begin to visit those who have come hard against your life. It's going to happen, and I, I don't know how the Lord's going to do that, but he's going to do it. That's exactly what this story is about. And also, again, open your heart, open your mind. You know that I'm not a prosperity preacher, but please, the word of God must be balanced. Open your heart, open your mind for God when he opens the windows of heaven for him to pour out that miracle that's going to sit right in your midst. It's going to be a weighty remaining miracle. A lot of times people pray for things and there's a, there's an appearing, you know, there, it shows up, but then it disappears. It's very transient. But what God is about to do in your life is not transient. It is substance. It is weight. It's going to be there and it's going to remain. My God, maybe the rest of your life, this thing is going to remain. It is a miracle. It is a sign. It is a wonder. It is a gift. It is something from God that is going to bless you, and it's most likely going to come to an area of your life where you have been bruised, where you have been wounded, where something has been taken from you that zapped your joy, and God is going to bring something back that's going to replace and restore that which had been taken from you. Praise God. This is also consistent with Joel chapter 2. I will restore unto you the years that the locusts have eaten. And there's talks about a sevenfold restoration. But notice in Joel chapter 2, when God says, I will restore unto you the years, not the things, the years. How many years have you been going through it? Well, I'm going to restore the years of sorrow and suffering, pain and shame that you have experienced in your life. And I am, and I see I'm being quickened right now. Go to Joel chapter 2. All right, Joel chapter 2, here we go. Let's find it. Hello, Joel. Joel, Joel, Joel. Where are you, Joel? He's right over here. All right, so Joel, 
should be right before Amos and all that stuff. And it is. All right, so Joel chapter 2, I want to begin in verse 21. All right, this is a, you ready? This is a prophesying of the word of God in a prophetic moment that needs to make contact with your life. And we'll get into everything else later. The very thing that I believe that God wants to say to you right now, and you have to take this as a personal rhema word for your life, because this is what God is doing. This is what the Holy Spirit is formulating to prophesy into the heart, into the ears, into the minds of those who have an ear to hear. So here it is. Fear not. Be glad and rejoice. Now, when we go to the story of Queen Esther, you're going to realize that today is a day of feasting and joy and gladness. Hallelujah. Fear not, O land, you. Be glad and rejoice. For the Lord will do great things. Now, the great things that God is going to do in your life is he is going to open the heavens. He's going to send that miracle, that thing that you desire, but it is way beyond your pay grade. It is way beyond your ability. It is way beyond your uh, ability to do anything. So God is saying he's going to do great things. He's going to fill your heart, your house with treasure that's going to bring joy, something that is godly, something that belongs from, from Father's heart to you, your heart. And he says, fear not, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid. You beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree bears her fruit, the fig tree, the vine do yield their strength. What was happening prior to this word? They had been in famine. The children of Israel were undergoing a very severe rebuke for their unwillingness to serve the Lord, for their compromise, for their lukewarmness. And God had sent famine into the land, and everything dried up, and they went through a drought. But the Lord says, that's not my intention for my children. My intention for my children is to make them wet with the dew of heaven, to bring their root into the river of my eternal spirit so that they may produce good fruit. It is not my intention for them to be dry and in drought and in famine. It is my intention to prosper them, spirit, soul, and body, and to make them fruitful and to have more than enough and plenty in a time of drought and famine around the world, I want to secure them in spirit, soul, and body. It's what he says in verse 23. Be glad then. Be glad then, you children of Zion. Are you a child of Zion? Well, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 to 22, it certainly says if you're a believer in Yeshua, then you are. You have come to Mount Zion. You have come. You're a child of Mount Zion. You belong to the celestial city of God, and the mountain always represents the government of God. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. It's a commandment, which means really a prescription. Do this and you shall live. It's not a hard commandment, do this or I'm going to whip you. No, it actually is a prescription. It is a commandment, an instruction. Do this and God's going to turn things around. What is he saying to do? A very difficult thing for a lot of people. Be glad 
<laughs> and rejoice, okay? Be glad and rejoice, you children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. Now, may I speak into that? And I, and I would challenge you to get your Hebrew concordance. Get your Hebrew concordance. I want to speak into this. Where he talks about giving you the former rain moderately, God is literally saying in the Hebrew that I've given you the former teachings. Okay? Let me, let me walk it through with you, okay? Because this is, this is profound if we really want to understand what God's doing right now. So let me take me 30 seconds. I wasn't planning on going here, but here we go. Okay, former rain. Let's go to the former rain. And let's see what we come up with. All right, there it is, Joel 2.23. So here's what he's actually saying. For he has given you the former rain. Now here's the definition. That's the more or the mora, okay? And what it means is very interesting. An archer, okay? It's an archer. Somebody that, it's an archer. But it's also a teacher or a teaching. Watch this. Also the early rain. So the very word for that phrase the former rain moderately, I've given you the former rain moderately, is I've given you a teaching, the former teaching. In other words, I've given you the elementary principles. I've given you the foundational truths. But what does he say? I've given to you these things moderately, and that word moderately there is the sadaka, and that means the rightness. This is cool. It means the morally virtue. In other words, I've given you the teaching that produces morality, that produces righteousness. In other words, I've trained you. I've taught you what is right, what is wrong. I've shown you how to live, what pleases the Lord. But now that I've done that, there's more to it here. Now he says, for he has given you the former rain moderately, the former teachings to instruct you in righteousness, and he will cause to come down. In other words, something else is going to be released. Let's look at the phrase there, the yarad. Something's going to come down. Something's going to descend. Something's coming for you. I will cause to come down for you the rain the former rain, now the word rain there is the geshem, and that literally talks about a shower, a rain shower. You go a little bit deeper, and it talks about to rain, uh, to rain down on. So I'm going to cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, which we just read about, and the latter rain. Now, the latter rain is the malkosh. The Malkosh. And the Malkosh is the spring rain. Listen, the spring rain, figuratively eloquence. So the rain of God is a spiritual rain. It is the teaching that produces righteousness, character in the life of an individual. The former rain, all those early teachings you've been established in. 
Well, now he's going to cause to come down a rain that's going to produce an eloquence in your life, a royalty, a maturity. I love this. It goes into a little bit deeper word of the Makosh, uh, it, and it talks about the March and April rains, which are just before us. So we can be expecting that miracle, the open heavens, a rain that God's going to cause to come down for you. That's going to cause an eloquence in your life. Hallelujah. Now, it also goes into the, um, I think we could probably just take that at its word. Let's go a little bit further now because this gets very intense. For I'm going to cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, the latter rain in the first month. Now, the word month is italicized. and Some people say the first fruits of a people in that generation to whom it shall come. Praise the Lord. Now, listen to this. The floors shall be full of wheat. Now, what is a floor? A floor is a place that you walk on. And everywhere you walk, there's going to be full of wheat. Wheat, wine, and barley, I believe it is, always in Scripture, every time you see them, they represent the blessing. So the floors will be filled or full of the blessing, the wheat. The wheat is at your feet, okay? And this is a spiritual blessing. The floors, let's just go into the Hebrew a little bit more on this. The goren, the barn floors, okay? The void places, the threshing floor, okay? An open area. So this is where you walk, all right? The floor shall be full, shall be full. I want you to get that, the male, which literally means to... Uh, to be accomplished. I love that word. Wait till you see this promise. This is amazing. So the floors will be full of the wheat. And the wheat here is simply uh, the grain of any kind. Uh, it's, it just talks about the corn, the oil, and the wine. That was it. The corn, the oil, the wine. The wheat and the corn are the same. Now, the wheat will be at your feet, the blessing. Now watch this. And the fats shall overflow with wine and oil. You ready for a mystery? Here it is. Number one, a fat. Now, a fat in the Hebrew is the yakeb, and what it was was a wine press, okay? And it meant to excavate. It was a trough as dug out. It had a lower and an upper chamber into which the juice drains, or the upper chamber in which the grapes are crushed. So, remember, the day that we're living in, all the knowledge that you and I have received, which we'll call the olive and the grape, all that knowledge up here in the upper chamber of our vat, we are the vat of the Lord. And God is going to crush the knowledge in the head and the juice of that knowledge or the experience of that knowledge is going to flow down into our belly. In other words, we are the fat of the Lord, the wine fat. God has put his intelligence, his knowledge, his desire, his wisdom into us, and he's going to crush that so that the juice or the experience of that knowledge will become a reality in our lives. So the fats will do what? They will overflow. There's an overflow that God wants to get into your life, and that word overflow in the Hebrew is the shuk or the shuk. 
And what it means is to be abundant. You know the abundant life that Jesus came to give? Well, that abundant life is in people's heads. There's a knowledge of the abundant life, but they've never really experienced that abundant life. It's all in their head. They know the blessings and the promises and the good things, but they've never really tasted the juice of it. Well, God is saying that he's going to cause this abundance, this overflow. Wow. is coming into your belly. It's coming into your life. And what he's saying, he's going to, the vats shall overflow with wine. Now here's a mystery. This is huge. The wine spoken of here is the tarosh. And up on the surface, it's simple. It literally means wine, fresh or new wine. Hi, new wine ministries. New wine, freshly pressed wine. All right, we get that on the surface. But there's more to this definition. It also means in the sense of expulsion, okay, something that was just squeezed out. There's new wine. But listen to the root definition. The root definition is the yarash. So we go from the tirosh, the actual literal wine, to the yarosh, the yarosh. Now, what does it mean? You ready? The overflow of the wine means to, and this is the primitive root, to occupy by driving out previous tenants and possessing in their place. Wait a second. To occupy. God tells us to occupy until he comes, right? He says to you occupy an area, your being, possess your soul, right? In your patience, possess your soul. Occupy, possess, by driving out previous tenants, the demons, the wrong thinking, the wrong narratives, the wrong thoughts. Get all that old stuff out, right? So it's occupying by driving out previous tenants, and possessing in their place. So if you were going to go into uh, the promised land, for example, in the days of Joshua, you had all the eight nations were on the land, but that land belonged to God's people. So Joshua leads a military campaign and drives out the occupants and they possess in their place. It's their land. Your soul your existence, your sphere of influence, what belongs to you from the Lord, there may be occupants there that are not necessarily belonging there. And so God says that there's a new wine coming into your life that is going to give you the power and the authority to drive them out, and you're going to occupy where you belong because they've been occupying what was rightfully yours. Wow, what a blessing, but it doesn't stop there. The definition actually goes on to say, to seize, to rob. You're going to rob the enemy, okay? To inherit, to expel what is evil, to impoverish what is wrong, to ruin, to cast out, to destroy, to disinherit, to dispossess, driving out. And it means a place where you can enjoy without fail, my God, and to succeed after you've seized upon it. Let's go, let's go back to the scripture here. I mean, what is it actually saying? Okay, we can't talk there yet, but we need to talk. Would you give me one moment, please? Thank you. I'll be right back. Hello? 
Hi, Dr. Sarah. How are you? We're doing great. How's Maxie doing? Okay. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. Yes. Okay, you got it. I'm in total agreement. Yes, thank you. All right, thanks a million. I appreciate it. God bless you. Okay. Okay. Bye. All right, that was our little dog, Max, who we've had for 16 years, is going into surgery right now. And uh, they wanted to call and let me know what was going on. So thanks for your prayers for little Maxie. They got to put him out and they got to remove something from him, somewhat of a tumor. So they're taking that out of the little guy. After 16 years, he's 112 years old in doggy life. So we're doing really good. So thank you for your patience. I apologize. Now we go back to this idea of, uh, let's go back to the scripture verse. In Joel 2, 24, the floors shall be full of wheat the fats shall overflow with wine. This is the wine of deliverance. That's what we were just describing. Casting out, occupying in their place, possessing. So this is the wine of deliverance in your life. God is giving it. It's his desire to cause this to come down for you. It's going to make you eloquent. It's going to prosper you, spirit, soul, body. And then he says, you're going to overflow with the oil. And we all know what the oil is. It's the Yitzar, and it means fresh oil that produces a shining. It's time for the countenance of God's people to shine. And regardless of what's happening in this world, I'm telling you, this is God's purpose for you. This is how God's dealing with you, his obedient child. He's dealing with you, and he's going to bring an anointing, because that's the oil. It's an anointing oil to bring a countenance acceleration or a shining or a brightness about you. Hallelujah. Is that a good thing? You're going to look in the mirror tomorrow and you're going to go, Woo, I'm looking so good today. 
I mean, are you all right with that for God to shine on you by igniting this oil in you and also as a wise virgin having lots of it in supply? And so that is what it means as producing light. So it is an oil that produces light and it figuratively is anointing. So the light of God on the inside of you, the light of Christ, the light of Jesus, the genuine illumination, the light effulgencing, rising up. I mean, even in your cells, the divine light of God is going to quicken the cells in your mortal body. Your blood is going to be affected by the light rays of his glory. I'm telling you, this is an anointing for you in a time where the world is getting low, that you're going to rise with deliverance and healing and restoration and power and anointing and brightness. And people are going to come to your light and they're going to say, what is it about you? There's something about you. What is it? And you're going to say, Jesus Christ, hallelujah. And you're going to save souls. That's what's going to happen. Now, in verse 25, this is a scripture that I had mentioned. I will restore to you the years. Wow. That the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. So what God is saying to his people is that I had to send my army that was going to strip everything from you. You were going into famine. You were going into drought. You had turned away from me. There was a problem with your society. There's a problem with your heart. And so I brought you low. Now that's judgment. That's not discipline. That was judgment. And then, then what God's saying is because he's a father, now that you've responded, their hearts had turned to the Lord at this point. Now that you've responded, you didn't respond to my discipline, so I turned you over to judgment. And now judgment has won the day. You've turned. You've repented. Now I'm going to restore to you. And that word restore is the shalom, the shalom, and it means to be in a covenant of peace. To be in a covenant of peace, to be safe. I'm going to restore to you. I'm going to cause you to be safe. I'm going to bring forth a completion. Okay? So you're going to be safe in mind, body, or estate. You're going to be completed figuratively. Okay? This is going to make amends. This is the Hebrew definition to make amends. Okay? And it means, um, to be at peace that is perfect, to prosper, okay, I'm going to restore, going to prosper, I'm going to recompense, I'm going to make restitution on your behalf. In other words, I am going to restore unto you what? I'm going to restore to you the years, the years, and that is the shane, and that is the time that you went into judgment and everything was stripped away from you, and you went into that time, that dark hour of the soul, I'm going to restore all those years, and I'm going to bring in one year, I'm going to bring a restoration for all that you went through in the years past. All those years that were gobbled up in sorrow, I'm going to restore them to you. And in one year, you are going to experience a restoration. It's truth. I don't care what time it is in the world. I, I mean, God's timing is perfect. I'm, this is what God's going to do on the behalf of his people in this hour to equip and to deposit 
a spiritual dynamic that is going to strengthen every single one of us who receive and believe with supernatural abilities to be able to endure to the end of whatever it is that's coming on this earth. There is a restoration coming to your life. You need to open your heart to receive it. And then he says in verse 26, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. You know, one of the things I've noticed in ministry and sometimes in my own heart as well, but mostly in ministry is the dissatisfaction that we carry. A lot of kids, a lot of God's kids for one reason or another are dissatisfied. And it's usually a dissatisfaction because we've never really been fulfilled. It's like, it's, it's elusive. It's there, but it's never fulfilling. And that is because something is wrong somewhere. But God literally says that when I restore to you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And that word satisfied is sabah, and it literally means to sate or to fill to satisfaction, to have more than enough, remember the overflow, to be full, have plenty, to be satiate literally to become weary of. You remember uh, President Donald Trump used to say that you're going to get so tired of winning because we're going to win, win, win. We're going to win, win. And you get so tired of winning. Well, okay. God's promise is sure. And he's saying for you today who are listening, this is a reality coming in your direction. Get ready for it. I'm going to cause you to be satisfied. And what are you going to do when you're satisfied? You're going to praise the name of the Lord, your God. And that word praise is the halal. And it means you're going to shine. You're going to be clear of sound and of color. In other words, God's going to color your world. You're going to shine with a rainbow color of God's glory, not the stuff, you know what, I don't even want to go there, but the beautiful colors that surround the throne of God Almighty. You're going to be shining. Those colors are going to be effulgencing. You're going to be praising, making a show. You're going to be boasting clamorously, almost foolishly. You're going to rave, celebrate. You're going to stultify. You're going to celebrate again. You're going to commend. You're going to give glory to God. You're going to act so wild. They're going to think, oh, you're being foolish, but you're going to be so full of joy. So happy because God has done it. He's going to do it. Whatever you've been waiting for, God is ready to do it. And you're, it says to act like a madman. I was going to just say that. One of the definitions. You're going to be acting like a madman in the sense of a godly person that is celebrating and praising God for what he's doing. Can you believe for that today? Well, he also says, this is a key. This is the key right here. You shall eat in plenty, verse 26, and praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you. Now, what does it mean to deal wondrously? That phrase in the Hebrew is the pala, and what it means, you ready for this? Perhaps to separate or to distinguish, it means to accomplish. Mm. It also talks about, in, in the, what we're, our conversation is, in the definition, marvelous miracles perform, separate, 
make singular. In other words, what God was saying is you're going to know that I have dealt wondrously with you. In other words, my judgment was designed to separate you from the world and to draw you into a singularity with myself. And you're going to know that I have dealt wondrously. I have accomplished my work in your life to bring you to myself. And that is why you're going to experience my goodness and my blessing. Because regardless of what anybody says, God is good. And when it comes to your personal relationship with God, he loves you and he is going to be good to you and he's going to benefit you. But before that came, what did he do? He had to discipline and actually judge his people to bring separation because judgment is always designed to separate. Okay. And the people now have confessed, they've humbled themselves, they've repented, and now they are coming to receive the blessing of the Lord that had been there all along but it had been restrained because of their sin. Now, if that's not enough, that's crazy good. But if that's not enough, he says, and my people in the latter part of 26 shall never be ashamed. My people shall never be boosh. That means to pale, to be ashamed, to be disappointed or delayed. Oh, God's people have known about disappointment and delay. But God is saying in this season of blessing upon those who have obeyed him, his children, his true kids who have not despised the chastening of the Lord, his true kids who have gone in his direction. He says, you'll never be disappointed again. You're never going to be delayed again. Nothing that I've determined for you to have will ever be delayed. No power on earth will be able to delay it. I don't know if that's good news to you, but it sounds really good. And no more shame. Never be ashamed again. He's rolling away that reproach. Verse 27, and you shall know, you're going to know this, that I am in the midst of Israel. I'm in the midst of the church. He walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. So you'll know that I am in the midst of of the Israel of God and that I am the Lord, your God and none else. And my people a double time. This is a double verily, verily my people shall never be ashamed. He repeated it. The Lord is walking in the midst of the candlesticks. Now in the book of revelation, when he's walking in the midst of the candlesticks, there are some things that the churches have to deal with. They have to repent from, they have to overcome. They have to deal with. But if they do, there's a reward behind everything. And, you know, and this will be the blessing for him who overcomes. And there's these blessings. So God is saying that's not, that's not the only time that God's going to bless. It's in our life as we're going through. There are seasons. You are entering into a season in your obedience and your love for God that he wanted me to tell you that there is a miracle coming into your house. There's a sign and a wonder that is not transient, but will remain, and it will be weighty and substantial, meaning it's going to manifest. It's going to be something tangible, and it's going to affect your spirit, your soul, and your body, and it's going to produce a restoration and a joy and a glistening and an oil and a praise and a celebration. And today is the day of Purim. 
and God's people around the world today are remembering an event in the days of Esther. And they are going to be sending gifts to one another. They're going to be feasting and having a day of gladness. Why not you? Are you in a sick bed today? Are you in a bed of depression? Arise, shine from that bed of depression, it says in the Amplified Bible in Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Arise, shine, arise from that bed of depression. Wake up, church. Know what time it is. Lift up your hands. Praise the Lord. Believe this word, and you shall be established, and you shall prosper. Praise God. So I uh, had not intended on going there today, but I did want to go to um, this other scripture here. But let me see what happened. Just curious. I want to see what y'all are doing out there in um, the chat room. Say good morning to everybody out there. Uh, good morning from Kevin Hauger. Good morning, Kevin Hauger. Keith Carey, good morning to you, sir. Sean Wood is saying good morning, Brother Vincent, and peace be upon or unto my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Amen, Sean. Thank you for the blessing. Kevin Hauger says, please subscribe to follow New Wine Ministry to be notified of future events, live streams. Ring the bell next to subscriber bar. Thank you. Thank you for that, Kevin, for encouraging people to do that. Uh, Brother Mark from uh, Mexico. Teresa told me to tell you hi, Pastor V, and I said hello back to Teresa. I see my sister Cindy is there. Good morning from Cindy. Good morning to you. Uh, we have Kevin is saying, please subscribe again. David Ellison is giving us a good morning today. Um, and then Keith Carey, would you email the YouTube link to the broadcast for Tuesday, February 23rd, please? I want to share this to as many as I can. Keith Carey, uh, I'll do my best to do that, Keith. Um, you're going to have to, you, you gave it to me, Keith Carey 84. Let me write it down. So Keith Carey, C-A-R-E-Y, all one word, 84 at gmail okay gmail.com okay keith i will i'll look for that and that is the broadcast from february 23rd tuesday Hi, tuesday i don't even know when that happened february 23rd and there we go i will do it carol Carey says good morning brothers and sisters god bless you amen thank you carol for the blessing sean vincent what's your thoughts on the airstrikes on iran we'll get into that in just a little bit um, and then what are your thoughts on the video I sent you on VP Harris? I sent it to you on messenger. Haven't seen it yet, Sean, but I'll get to it and I'll share my thoughts about it. All right, Kevin. So Keith Carey, amen. Feast of Purim, Sean Woodson. Could those airstrikes lead to something biblical in revelation? Probably Brenda Palmer. Good morning. Brenda Torville. Good morning. Sisters. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Um, then Mark is answering Sean. Then we have da, 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 da. Sorry, I meant Keith. Okay. Praying for Maxie Laquita. Thank you so much. Your prayers will be answered. Uh, David Ellison's praying for Maxie. Maxie has Moxie. Hello. <laughs> That's great. Marissa, prayers for Max. Thank you, Marissa. Hog Samak Purim. Ah, now Sister Marissa's getting to the beautiful side. Denny Sossaman, hallelujah. I receive every word from you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. May you be glorified in our lives. Thank you, Pastor V, for your obedience. You're welcome. It's my honor 
to see God's kids ready to receive this promise. Hallelujah. Watch on YouTube the music video, Redeeming the Years by Jubilee Worship. Okay, that's from Marissa. And then, of course, Brenda Palmer saying, praise God. Okay, so we have a little interaction going on. I would have thought by now, if it were me and I were in some tough spots, I'd be jumping all over the place, jumping all over the place. God knew that 4,000 years ago with Abraham, Brother Mark, amen. So today is Purim. And I'm going to put up on this board here. I want to just get back to it just a moment. I want to get the scriptures that I want to go into. Praise God. So let's go to on this. I want to start in chapter five anyways, and we'll, we'll begin there. Oops, that didn't work. Aren't you glad it's Friday? Boy, day of rest sounds great to me. Now, Esther chapter 5, let's get into a little backdrop, okay? I'm just encouraging your faith today, encouraging your faith today. I need you to hear this. You know, if you have been in times past part of a prosperity church and all that stuff, listen, nobody's asking you to send a penny. Nobody's asking going to send you anointed cloths. We've done that in our church. It's been pretty awesome. But that's not what, what is being shared here. What is being shared And this broadcast is a prosperity that's going to take you over the top in your life, in your life. It may include some blessings of tangible things, but I'm telling you that the prosperity spoken of here is may you prosper even as your soul prospers. And maybe you've been a part of the prosperity gig and they use the word to manipulate blessings and then you got to give them 25 bucks. No. Okay. It's not what's happening. It says in Esther chapter five, verse one. And I'm just going to read a few verses and then we'll talk. Now, it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel. And she stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. There's, a, there's, there's so much to, to look at in that one passage of Scripture, that one verse. Number one, it came to pass on the third day. Ladies and gentlemen, we are biblically, mathematically, spiritually living in the third day. The third day of Jesus Christ. The Lord was here 2,000 years ago. That's two days. A thousand years is as one day. In the third day, we're in the third millennium. We're right at the very beginning. We Nobody knows the exact time because of the change in calendars, but this is a third day reality. This is a scripture that has to do with people in the third day. Who does Esther represent? Esther represents the bride of Christ. Who is the king sitting on his royal throne? It is Christ in the highest royalty. You know in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we are a royal priesthood. So we're, we're, we're taking Old Testament scriptures as type and shadows. We're applying them to a spiritual prophetic reality. And what you have is a third day event. Something's going to happen in the third day. What is it? Well, Esther, the church the one that has been designed by God to stand in the gap. Not a man, 
the, the bride. Mordecai represents the Holy Spirit. But Esther is the bride. Are you the bride of Yeshua? Are you married to him? Are you the lamb's wife? Well, the ecclesia, the true church, the true bride is doing something. She's putting on her royal apparel. What is the royal apparel of the bride of Christ today? It is the divine nature, the new creation created in righteousness and true holiness. You and I, like Esther, she did what? She put on. And the apostle Paul tells us, put off the old man and put on the new man. Put on Christ. Romans 13, put on Christ. Put on the new man. Put on. And you and I are to put on our royal garments, those priestly garments those garments of praise and righteousness. And Esther's putting on royal apparel that was given her by the king. She wasn't putting on her old wardrobe. You never go before the king with your own robes on, your own clothes on. What Esther did after a three-day fast, she put on the wardrobe that the king had given her. And that was her confidence. That's what she did. And you know and I know in the story, when she, when, in the next move that's going to be made here, she is now life and death because those doors were shut to the council chamber where the king was and all of his counselors. And for a woman, especially to walk through that door unannounced, uninvited, meant certain death. But she said, whether I live or whether I die, I'm going to put on the clothes that the king gave me. And the church today must be willing to put on the royal apparel not stop all the stuff with the old nature, the old thinking, the old ways, my old self. None of that is going to help in these days. That is a false humility. It has to go away. We have to, by faith, put on what Christ has given us, redemption. Come on, put it on. This is what the church will do in the last hour to stand in the gap for the people of God, especially as we see things beginning to come to pass. Now it says... She put on her royal apparel on the third day. She stood in the inner court of the king's house, over against the king's house. The king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. So in other words, Esther, she went in, where she was now fully trespassing. And I'm sure every one of those counselors thought she should be put to death. They didn't care who she was. These Persian counselors didn't care about his wife, really. They were just trying to keep him appeased. But he loved her, just like Jesus loves you. And there are people that want to do business with Jesus, but there are those who love him and are married to him. Big difference, is it? So now, in verse 2, it, And it was so, when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, I want to tell you, as an end time, Bride of the living God, the posture of the church living in this prophetic third day is standing, not kneeling, not bowing, not prostrate, standing. (laughs) 
prostate, prostrate. So it's not, it's not prostrate. It's standing. Okay. <laughs> so the, the proper place for you to be right now, the, the proper posture of the church is to be standing, standing, standing. Now, what does she do? She's standing. Denny, stop laughing. How come I think Denny is laughing? Anyways, standing in the court. That when he saw her, when the king saw her standing, when she came in unannounced, she obtained favor in his sight. Now, I want you to know that the church, the bride, in this prophetic third day who puts on her royal apparel and goes where no man's gone before, even unannounced, there's favor. Favor is coming to her. And what does the word favor actually mean? That word favor is the cane, the grace, the charm, the elegance. Remember, we talked about being made eloquent in Joel. Okay, acceptance. Wow. Kindness. Pleasant. I mean, all these great things are happening to Esther now. She's finding favor in his sight. So when we go before the Lord in intercessory prayer, standing in the gap for the days that we're living in, and this is what Esther was doing. Why is she doing this? If you remember the story, Haman had devised a plot to destroy Mordecai and all the Jews out of the Persian Empire. He had written decrees, and he had sent them all throughout the province to kill the Jews on a certain day. It's like Adolf Hitler, right? And I'm going to show you what I believe the difference is between Nazi Germany and what's going on in this story. And so the decree has gone forth, kill the Jews, And now Mordecai knows the plan. Mordecai also knows that there's an assassination attempt against the king. And so all this intel is brought before the king, and he's aware. And now uh, to Esther first, she's now going to bring this because she's standing in the gap for her people. And so she finds favor, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter That was in his hand. Now we know that Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews, the scepter of his kingdom is righteousness. The scepter of the Lord's kingdom is righteousness. So every king has a scepter. And when he extended the scepter to Esther, the golden scepter, he's he's extending to her what? His authority, number one. The authority of Christ's kingdom is righteousness. So this king is extending his golden scepter to Esther saying what? He says to her, as she draws near and she touches the top of the scepter, she doesn't repel and say, I'm not worthy. She takes hold. There's a union going on there between the king and the queen, the bride and the bridegroom. There's a, there's, there's a union taking place and she's accepting. He's extending. Then said the king in verse three under her, what do you want, Queen Esther? And what is your request? It shall be given, even before I know what you're going to ask, it shall be given thee to the half of the kingdom. Wow. See, we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. This king is extending authority saying, what do you want? Make your request known. It says in Philippians, make your request known before God. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request be known unto God. So God tells us again to make our request. Here, the king is asking Esther, what's your request? I'm going to give it to you up to half the kingdom. That's how much favor was on her life. How much favor do you want on your life? 
when you go in and stand before your Lord, when you go in and stand dressed with the robes of righteousness that he provided for you, covered in the blood of the lamb, washed from all the stuff in your life, holy, purified, how is he going to see you? He's going to see you decked out in his glory. And he's going to you say, he's going to say, I'm looking at myself. I'm seeing what I gave. I'm seeing resemblance. You see, there's union going on there, folks. And so Esther then invites the king to a banquet in the story. Where does this all go? Today is the celebration of this moment. Because if we go on down to chapter 9 in this story, let's just read it. Let's go all the way to chapter 9. We'll go to chapter 8, and then we're going to go to chapter 9. So, in chapter 9, I want to pick it up in verse 1. Chapter 9, verse 1. Now, in the 12th month, that is the month of Dar, that's where we are today. Listen to me. Today is the day that I'm reading to you right now in the Hebrew calendar. The 12th month, that is the month Adar, on the 13th day of the same, which began last night when the sun set, it'll be the 13th day of the 12th month all day today. The month Adar, on the 13th day of the same, when the king's commandment and his decree drew near, what was the commandment and decree? To kill all the Jews. Watch. His decree drew near to be put in execution. In other words, that was now going to go, it's going to be executed. In the day that the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them. And then in parentheses, though it was turned. To the contrary, that the Jews had rule over them that hated them. Okay. Now, in verse, so on this day, today, thousands of years ago in this story, this was the day for those decrees that had been written to be executed. All the Jews throughout the province were about to be slaughtered. But something happened because of the intercession of Mordecai and Esther, who stood in the gap. Verse 2 says, The Jews gathered themselves together in their cities. If I had a voice to tell the church in America and around the world, particularly in our country right now, it would simply be this. Gather together in every region. Gather together in your townships. Gather together in your cities. Gather together wherever the saints are, whatever location you are in. Gather together. That would be the wise thing to do. Stop this denominational foolishness and rally around the cross. Let the cross be the rallying place, not a doctrine, not a denomination, not a church creed, but the cross of Jesus Christ. I believe that with all my heart. I can fellowship with any believer if we meet at the cross. And now what had happened? The Jews gathered themselves together in their cities. That's what we should be doing throughout all the provinces of the King Asherus to lay hand on such as sought their hurt. So, you know, the, 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 the government, the world empire wants to do hurt and harm to God's people. What God told his people to do back then, today, 
gather together to lay hands on such as sought their hurt, and no man could withstand them, for the fear of them fell upon all the people. So here were all the people in all these cities had a decree, let's go kill the Jews on this day. But the Jews gathered together, and they were ready for the fight. Do you see it? Do you see it? And the fear of God fell upon the people. And then it says, in verse 3, all the rulers of the provinces. So all these 127 provinces had rulers, mayors, whatever. And all the rulers of the provinces and the lieutenants and the deputies and the officers of the king helped the Jews because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. Oh, Mordecai. He, he told the king that there was an assassination plot, and he got honored and brought to the highest command. And all the deputies and the sheriffs and all these rulers in the provinces, they knew Mordecai, that he was at the top, right beneath the king, kind of like Joseph. So they honored and obeyed him. And because the decree was to be reversed, now you have all the police department, the fire department, everybody's now helping the people, the Christians, the church, the Jews, the Jew and the Gentile, one new man on the earth. So it says in verse four, for Mordecai was great in the king's house. Hallelujah. He got promoted. And his fame went out throughout all the provinces for this man, Mordecai, waxed greater and greater. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Verse 5, thus the Jews smote all their enemies with the stroke of the sword and slaughter and destruction (laughs) and did what they would unto those that hated them. So the left went out on the limb and said they hated us, right? They hate us. We need to be deprogrammed. We need to be de-radicalized. We need to be, we're not fit for polite society. We're maggots, right? They've, they've openly expressed their hostility and hate. And what we should be doing is gathering together, all the people of God, gathering together from city to city throughout this nation, city to city, we try to rally call on December 7th. They rally God's people in the, in the capitals of each state. All the people in all the cities should be gathering together, forming a community, saying, you're coming after us. What happened back then? Why did God want this day to be remembered? God wanted this day to be remembered. So if you ever try to do this and we are the obedient sons and daughters of God and you're going to pull this nonsense then here's what's going to happen to you. And what happens, and I love the definition. I mean, it's just so awesome that the Jews smote all their enemies with the stroke of the sword and slaughter and destruction and did what they would unto those that hated them. Now, if the Jews had been in obedience in Nazi Germany, and I personally believe, and I'll say it again, I'm, you know, I'm not sure, I just believe it, that when the Jews in the days of Jesus called for his crucifixion and they said, his blood be upon us and our children, that there was a blood curse that went on. The children of Israel, they cursed themselves and their bloodline. And by the time they showed up in Nazi Germany, they weren't the same Jews as in the days of Queen Esther. They had been cursed and rejected the Messiah. 
And I think there's, a, there's something to say about that, but I don't want to get into that right now. So it says in verse 6, and in Shushan, the palace. So you got to get this picture now. 127 prom- cities throughout the United States in the days of, of, of this time. And the Jews are going on a war. They are taking people out. They are taking people down. They're arresting uh, and they're slaughtering and they're killing, you know, all these people that were against them, all these people in high governmental positions of power, all these people that were doing these bad, evil things. Now the Jews have permission from God. Go execute the judgment. I'm reversing what they were going to do to you. Do to them. Oh, don't you like it? Now. In Shushan, in the meantime, in the palace, the Jews slew and destroyed 500 men. So this is happening all over the empire. And it says Parshadatha and Dalphon and Aespatha and Paratha and Adalia and Aradatha and Parmashta and Arasai and Aradai and Vajatha, blah, blah, blah. Verse 10, the 10 sons of Haman, that's who all those names were. The ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, slew they, but on the spoil laid they not their hand. Now watch this. In verse 11, this is Esther 9.11. On that day, the number of those that were slain in Shushan the palace was brought before the king. And the king said unto Esther the queen, the Jews have slain and destroyed 500 men in Shushan the palace. And the ten sons of Haman, what have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is your petition? And it shall be granted thee, or what is your request further? And it shall be done. You could just see the king saying, they're killing all my people. Now what do you want? And what does Esther say? (laughs) Verse 13, then said Esther, if it please the king, Let it be granted to the Jews, which are in Shushan, to do tomorrow also, according unto this day's decree. And let Haman's ten sons be hanged upon the gallows. What audacity, Hadessa, Esther. The king saying, look, they're killing all my people. Now what do you want? I want you to give the Jews permission to do it again tomorrow. I want them to eradicate and make a statement forever. Now listen, verse 14, the king commanded it so to be done, and the decree was given at Shushan, and they hanged Haman's ten sons on the very gallows that Haman had built. For the Jews that were in Shushan gathered themselves together on the 14th day also of the month Adar, which will be when the sun sets tonight, all the way until Saturday evening, okay, and slew 300 men at Shushan, but on the prey they laid not their hand. They never touched the spoil. They didn't go in and take their stuff, right? Verse 17, on the 13th day of the month, Adar, and on the 14th day of the same, rested they and made it a day of feasting and gladness. Okay, so the 13th and 14th of Adar, today and tomorrow, in history, were known to be days of feasting and gladness. Verse 19, therefore the Jews of the villages that dwelt in the unwalled towns 
made the 14th day of the month Adar a day of gladness and feasting and a good day and of sending portions one to another. So right now, we're to remember this. Watch, and I'll tell you why. It says in verse 20, Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters unto all the Jews that were in all the provinces of the king Asherus, both nigh and far, to establish this among them, that they should keep the 14th day of the month of Dar and the 15th day of the same yearly. As the days wherein the Jews rested from their enemies and the month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy and from mourning into a good day, hallelujah, that they should make them days of feasting and joy and of sending portions one to another and gifts to the poor. Wow. And the Jews undertook to do as they had begun and as Mordecai had written unto them, because Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews, had devised against the Jews to destroy them and had cast purr, that is, the lot, to consume them and to destroy them. You see, if God's people really understood the effectiveness of gathering together and launching their weapons of war, which in the first place are prayers and intercessions, prophesying, decreeing, declaring with the voice, the words of God upon the enemies of his people. Because right now, whether you believe it or not, whether you know it or not, whether we understand it or not, it has been evidenced by their own mouths, their hostilities against Christians and against Jews in this world. Donald Trump has left the stage Bibi Netanyahu has left the stage. New leadership is coming to power, and Bible prophecy is going to commence. But the times we're living in right now deserve our attention. And what is that attention? To turn this time into gladness and feasting by gathering together and fighting for our lives, for our families, for our children, for our cities. But when Esther came before the king, I'm going to finish the story, verse 25. When Esther came before the king, he commanded by letters that his wicked device, which he devised against the Jews, should return upon his own head. Speaking of Haman. Let me say it again. I'm going to say it very clearly. When Esther came before the king, he commanded by letters, the king, that his, Haman's, wicked device, which he devised against the Jews, should return upon his own head, and that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. Wherefore, they called these days Purim, after the name of Pur. The word in the Hebrew for Purim is Pur, and it means lot or peace, it is a special feast among the post-exilic Jews to celebrate their deliverance from Haman's destruction through Queen Esther's heroic actions. That's what we're talking about. Now, okay, so verse 26, Wherefore they called these days Purim, after the name of Pur, 
Therefore, for all the words of this letter and of that which they had seen concerning this matter and which had come unto them, the Jews ordained and took upon them and upon their seed and upon all such as joined themselves unto them, so as it should not fail that they would keep these two days according to their writing and according to their appointed time every year. Now, appointed times are revealed in Genesis 1.14. And that these days, verse 28, should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every province, and every city, and that these days of Purim should not fail from among the Jews, nor the memorial of them perish from their seed. That was a blessing. Then Esther the queen, the daughter of Abihail, and Mordecai the Jew, wrote with all authority to confirm this second letter of Purim. And he sent the letters unto all the Jews to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Asherus with words of peace and truth to confirm these days of Purim in their times, appointed according as Mordecai the Jew and Esther the queen had enjoined them, and as they had decreed for themselves and for their seed the matters of the fastings and their cry. And the decree of Esther confirmed these matters of Purim, and it was written in the book. So the key here is in verse 25. When Esther came before the king, he commanded by letters that his wicked device, which he devised against the Jews, should return upon his own head. What a great story. Why does God want us to remember these stories? What's the point of these stories? Well, they are to encourage and exhort you and I Oh, I see some really good comments up there. Let's see what you guys are saying. All right. What's going on here? I see that uh, Rosalie Jennings. Good morning, Pastor V. Sunday was a good message from Pastor Ken. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. That's not Rosalie, by the way. That's our brother, Gary Jennings. Callie says, good morning. Prayers for Max. Thank you, Callie. I appreciate that. God's going to do a great work with the little guy. Um, whew. Kevin Alger, the link I put. Okay, Cindy Messerman, David is, if it's bad and your prostrate falls. <laughs> gotcha, Dave. Bombs are falling on Syria again. The kids are still in the cages. Yep, the $2,000 checks, AOIWAL. But hey, at least Mr. Potato Head is now gender neutral. Hmm. Way to go, Mark. Ken Wagner, the book of Esther portrays a hidden manifestation of God inspiring us to have faith that God is ever-present in the world, even when that doesn't seem so obvious. Well said, Ken Wagner and Pastor Ken. God's miracle does not lie exclusively in the realm of the prophets. This story portrays a manifestation of God, inspiring us to have faith that God, even when that doesn't seem so obvious. Let me see if I understand that. God's miracle do not lie exclusively in the realm of the prophets. I don't think they ever did. I think the prophets just declared the miracles to God's people. But maybe I'm not understanding that. Cindy says, preach it. Janice says, sweet Jesus. Dennis, Proverbs 17:22. A merry heart does good like a medicine. Keep laughing, PV. You were watching. I saw that. And then Brother Mark is saying to us again, uh, Purim, Hebrew, Lots, English, Feast of Lots, a joyous Jewish festival commemorating the survival of the Jews who in the 5th century B.C. were marked for death. 
by their Persian rulers. Amen. It's going to turn around for you. We sing a song at New Wine Ministries. God's going to turn it around. He's going to turn it around for you. He's going to turn it around for you. Let me say it again. It's going to turn around for your well-being. Believe what God is saying through his word. Remember this day. There are decrees in the spiritual realm against your life by the powers of darkness. God's going to turn it around. For God has scripted your life with his word, and it will prevail. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. God's word is enthroned forever at the right hand of majesty in the heavens. Jesus was the word made flesh. God's word prevails until the very end. Everything that's going on in this earth, God has spoken. He sees, he's wide awake, he's present, he's walking in the midst. And you, obedient child of God, who have humbled yourself before the Lord, are about to experience a miracle in your life, in your house, in your home. Tangible, weighty, substance, and remaining. This is the word of the Lord to you. It's not the word of the Lord to this earth, to this country. It is not. It is to you, his faithful children. What God has been speaking to our nation It shall come to pass. But for you, in this season, in your obedience, you shall be blessed. I believe it with all of my heart. With every fiber of my being, I believe this is the word of the Lord. My mind wants to question things. I get into thinking. My brain wants to say, well, wait a second. What about this? Now, in my heart, I totally believe this is true. This is the word of God. And it's going to show up in people's lives. And they're going to rejoice. And it's going to be a good thing. So celebrate it today. Shake hands with God today. How do you shake hands with God in this deal that he's making with us? Be glad and rejoice. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Be glad and rejoice. Remember a day. Celebrate a great day in the economy of heaven within the eternal purpose of God Almighty. Praise the Lord. That's all I got. That's it. Anybody else? I'll go to the phone lines. Let me check and see. Anybody on the phone lines? 818-369-0326. All right. No questions or comments there. And so I think we're good. We're moving into the Shabbat today. Shalom. A nice Sabbath rest, Lord willing. By the time you settle into Betty by tonight, everything will be nice. You'll smooth through the day. Tomorrow, we're going to be conducting a, uh, a mini f- a funeral for our beloved Sam. His wife, Elda, passed away. And uh, we were invited to speak at that. So we'll be doing that tomorrow. But 
uh, wherever you are, wherever you can. If you could snuggle in and just rest with God, feast in gladness, rejoice and be glad. Praise the Lord. And that's where we're going to leave it for today. Okay? Then, hallelujah. What a great balance to everything we've heard. I'm going to let you go. Have a blessed day. Right now, there's a roundtable discussion on Omega Radio where they're talking about prospering in the time of famine. Prospering in the time of famine. Some of the most brilliant minds on this planet are gathered together at that table. You may want to listen to it if you have some time. It teaches you how to prosper in the time of famine. It'll change your life. <laughs> Until we meet again, this is Pastor Vincent, New Wine Ministries. We'll be back on the air tomorrow night at 5.30 for our evening worship service at New Wine Ministries. You can find us on Facebook or on YouTube. You could also support this ministry if you'd like to do so by going to nwmglobal.org. That stands for New Wine Ministry, nwmglobal.org. You can go to the donations tab and give a donation if you would like to do so. And... May God bless you richly for all of your giving. For those that you have given, I especially want to shout out to a gentleman by the name of Paul. I'll go first name alone. Paul, you blessed our hearts. You sent a tithe into this ministry, and it was a beautiful tithe. And we thank you so much for thinking of us that way and considering our ministry to be worthy of your tithe. May God bless you. May multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. To my sister Sarah, who also gave, God bless you out there in San Diego. And to those of you that just continue to say, here, I want to support you. I want to give this gift. I want to just be a blessing. May God enrich you with a hundredfold blessing back upon your giving first in the realm of your fruitfulness, because he says you will increase the fruits of your righteousness and he'll multiply your seed sown. So may your seed be multiplied. May your finances be a blessing, but may you grow internally exponentially. Till we meet again, this is Pastor Vince. Shalom. God bless. Arrivederci. Sayonara. Ciao. Goodbye. We'll see you on Tuesday right here on The Watchman.